0: Amen. How many are excited for the word today? Make some noise. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Amen. It's so good to have you here today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you came. We're glad that you're here. If you're new, we're going through a series on the book of Ephesians. Today, we're going to be talking about the creed. Everybody say the creed. Now, is anybody cool enough to remember the band from the 90s called Creed? Yeah. You know, that kind of, you know, that kind of voice that... Uh, That that bellow right there. But we're going to be talking today about the creed of the Bible. Probably one of the, there's a bunch of them by the way, but one of the most famous in the New Testament. So let's get into it. But before we do, uh, before we get to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, let me just tell you there was two exciting things that happened this weekend. Uh, Number one, I turned 41 years old. Praise the Lord. Dude, every day is a gift of God. I should have died as a high schooler twice, Uh, high school dropout, so I was out doing drugs. But 18 years old, should have died that year twice. But God kept me alive, and so it's so amazing to be here. And then I announced on my birthday, we are Prego with number six. Yeah. So making babies is our business, and business is good. We just love making babies. We'll be in your baby class. We'd like to be in everybody's baby class in this church, by the way. So whenever there's a season of babies coming around, we're like, oh, we got to get in that season. So we like to always have one in every season. That's how we use it. But uh, just pray for Nancy, cause that's why she was out of breath. And I tried to get over the mic and say, tell them you're pregnant. That's why. So she's got her little baby bump, and you know that gets harder for her to do things. So just keep us in prayer, cause she's homeschooling the other children, and and uh, you know life is always complicated when you have that many kids, but we believe God makes uh, life easier for us by carrying our burdens. Amen? So just pray for us to keep giving our burdens to Jesus. So that's what's exciting in our life. Hope everything is good with y'all. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the creed. We're going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse, learning about being in Him. Everybody say, in Him. In him. The book of Ephesians is about being in Christ. We started that uh, this series February of 2017. We've preached uh, almost 50 messages on it. We'll probably be around 100 by the time this bad boy is done. So get into the word. I ask every one of you to read the book of Ephesians once a week. By audio, it only takes about 20 minutes. So be obedient to your pastor. It was so funny. A a, a young lady came up to me the other week. She's like, I love this church. I'm so excited. I've been reading my Bible. I've been reading Revelation and I've reading Psalms, and I was like, how about Ephesians? Have you read that? She's like, no, I'm going to get to it. But here's what here's what I always say to people. I'm used to people not listening to me because I'm a pastor, all right? And it's, it's, it's something that I got used to, you know? So every now and then I'll be at a restaurant, and they'll be like, oh, sorry, I didn't know you ordered that. And I'll be like, that's okay. People ignore me all the time. I'm a pastor. This is what I do. I talk for a half hour to an hour every week, and they do about one out of the ten things I ask them to do. So waiter, as long as you brought me water, you're doing good. You're doing good. If you forgot my french fries, that's okay. I'm used to this. So here's the deal. When, When I say read the book of Ephesians every week, that's actually what I mean. I actually expect you to go home this week and read the Bible. And guess what? I'm the first one following my instruction, which I believe came from the Lord since we're doing this as a series. I do it every single week, and every single week I get something new out of it. Whether it's by audio Bible or reading through it, there is something that is there for me every single week. And then guess what? Because I read my Bible seven days a week, and it usually only takes me one day to read Ephesians, 20 minutes, I've read through the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, and the book of Ezekiel in uh, January thus far. And those are the three biggest prophetical books, okay? So keep reading your Bibles. Reading your Bible is awesome. For me, I don't get satisfied unless I read 10 to 15 chapters in a sitting. Now, there are some times where I'll just take a one verse and be like, mmm, that is so good, that one verse. And there's times I do that. Trust me me. But that's usually like in my evening devotional times when the kids have gone to bed. But in my morning, I'm like, oh, I'm like chapter after chapter after chapter. Does anybody else love the Word of God? Come on, so read your Bible. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We're taking it section by section. Paul says, he's the author of the book of Ephesians, and it's the people who live in the city of Ephesus, by the way. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling that you've received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How many believe you understand those five things right there? Because that's what we talked about last week. Here's how you walk worthy of your calling. Be completely humble. Completely humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the bond of the Spirit. Are we doing these things to be saved, or are we doing these things because we are saved? Do we do good works to become the workmanship of God, or are we first made the workmanship of God to do good works? Do I teach my children ABCs before they are born, or do I wait till after they're born to teach them ABCs? Okay, You have to be born first to know ABCs. You have to be made God's workmanship to do the work of God, and you already are counted worthy in Christ to walk worthy of your calling. And we learned about that last week, the difference between actuality and potentiality. The reason why an apple seed can potentially grow to an apple tree is because actually in the seed is everything that it needs. The reason you can be completely humble and do the impossible the things that sinners can never do and that's keep the commands of God is because when you're born again you're born into the identity of Christ actually a son or daughter of the king with every spiritual blessing made a saint, made a holy one so that now you can do the holy things of God. The the, the commands of God come light to you they come easy to you, they are the pattern that you follow, they are your default. Can I hear an amen? Now some of you that's still a struggle that's because you're weak in your faith. Grow in your faith. And how does the Bible say to grow up in your faith? To hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So as you hear the word of God, faith comes. If you're not hearing the word of God, is faith coming? No. So if you don't believe yet, you can walk worthy of your calling. Number one, I have to ask you is have you even received the calling to be born again? Because sinners can no more live like saints than humans can live like birds. I'm going to say that again. Can you live like a bird right now? You know, you may say, well, I can, you know, peck away and do something like a bird, but how about I, I take you to Willis Tower and throw you off that? Will you be able to flap your wings like a bird? No, so can a sinner keep the commands of God? No, a sinner can do a little bit of the good things, but still, even the good things, it's still wickedness to God. They can't fully keep them. They can't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength because their heart is utterly corruptible. It's wicked, okay? Everything they do is tainted with their sin. So what does a sinner have to do to keep the commands of God? Repent and be born again you have to be born again to keep the commands of God so you can no more change yourself into a bird than you can make yourself a saint a person is made a saint by the grace of God amen so those of us who have received the calling to be born again can I hear you say amen how many are going to be completely humble can I hear an amen how about gentle how about patient how about bearing with each other in love and making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now let us read this creed together on the count of three. One, two, three. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can I hear an amen for that? This is our creed. This is the creed of the Christian. Now what's amazing about about this is because it has the one there, I can make a cool graphic. And I didn't do this, by the way. This is something that I took from somebody else online. But this is a great way to remember this creed. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. This is how we have handed down the faith for 2,000 years. Put yourself in the position of the people of Ephesus. Ephesus you once were a pagan. You didn't know anything about the God of the Jews. A traveling apostle comes and says he has met the risen Lord. He once was a Jew persecuting the Christians but now he's a born again Jew, a Christian himself. He then demonstrates the word of God with signs and wonders. The prophecies that he said apply to Jesus now are demonstrated in Jesus' name as your friend has demons cast out of them or your mother is sick, raised up from her sick bed and you start to sense the power of God in your own life and as you confess Christ. You're changed. You're born again. You're regenerated. The things that he says that are the things of God, they bear witness with your new spirit, your new man, that this is the life you are to live. He spends two to three years with you. He appoints some of your friends and family to be the elders, the leaders of the church. You're meeting in homes because you're being persecuted by the Jews and by the pagans, and then he travels off into his journey, and then he sends you this letter. How many know this letter is now important to you, which we call the book of Ephesians? you are in Ephesus you take that letter you're reading it every day you're memorizing it you're meeting with the church every day you are taking what it says serious and we've gone through the first uh, three to, three and a half chapters thus far uh, three chapters rather now we're in chapter four and so you've heard Paul remind you that you are in Christ that Christ had a plan from the foundation of the world to save you and to transform you to make you his holy person his saint and he has grace to be poured out onto you every day not just at the moment of salvation but every day you live Live for Jesus, there's grace, and God made you a workmanship to do the good works that He's prepared before you. And then you hear Paul pray twice two prayers that are powerful for you. One prayer talks about you knowing God on the inside and experiencing a spirit of revelation that you can know Him better. Another prayer says that He wants you to know God's love better. So, in one sense, God wants you to know His, His, uh, Paul wants you to know God as a person, and then He wants you to know God as a lover, or excuse me, God, He wants you to know God in His. As revelation of divinity, and then he wants you to know God and his revelation of love and how he is as a God. He's not just any old kind of God. He's a loving God, and then he tells you the purpose of even the Jew and the Gentile, that the Jews, though they were chosen at the beginning to be God's people, that Gentiles were never meant to be excluded, that the promise of Abraham was for all nations, okay? You're hearing that, and now he gets to chapter 4, and he says, listen, I want you to walk worthy of your calling. I want you to do these things, and I want you to remember this, How many know you're going to count this to memory right now? And so what is he going to do? He's probably going to use a memory device that's going to help you. And so his memory device is to attribute everything to one. That way you can remember it. And so as I've put it up here on the screen, that one should stick out to you. So now there's one of seven things. Now seven to me is not significant. I'm not a numerologist, okay? But if you do like numbers, number seven means perfection. Paul might have chosen seven on purpose so that in your mind there would feel like a completion as you went through this creed. Now what's interesting about this is that this proves that Paul wasn't the originator of Christianity. A lot of people now in the 21st century, look back on Paul and try to say he changed Christianity, deified Jesus, and made it a religion when really Jesus was just a prophet of Judaism and was just trying to renovate Judaism a little bit, just make Judaism better. But Paul is the one who came along and made Jesus a God, like the pagans had a God that came on the earth and did certain things, you know, like Hercules. So Paul takes Christianity and changes it from a pure Judaism to now this mixture of paganism and Judaism, which which equals Christianity. Muslims use that arguments against us. Jews today use that arguments against uh, argument against us. And he's an even atheist want to do that. But this proves to us that Paul is not making up Christianity. This creed here is also a sister creed to the one that he wrote in 1 Corinthians, which came much earlier. And these creeds are traced back before Paul's writing, predating Paul himself. And so so that what this shows us is that Paul, even though he had a revelation of Christ personally he is using the church creeds that were existing before he got converted because if you understand paul was not one of the original disciples like i said he was a jew persecuting the church in the book of acts he gets saved later on as a matter of fact he was a part of stephen's martyrdom he was a part of other christians being arrested he thought as a jew him killing christians he was doing the jewish people a favor and god a favor as well and so now we look at this creed and we say, Paul, did you make this up? No, no, this, this predates Paul. These are the kinds of creeds that the early church was saying within months, if not days, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. You are looking at the early faith of Christians 2,000 years ago. It's encompassed in a letter. I believe the whole letter is divinely inspired. Don't get me wrong. God used Paul to write the entire letter. But this part of the letter predates the letter itself. It would be as if we took a poem and put it into a letter you're writing, and the poem predates what you're writing. Do you understand? This creed was what they were saying to each other at the dinner table. These are the kinds of things they were saying to each other during their times of Bible studies. As we have recited creeds here, these are the things they were reciting. So what I want us to do is commit it to memory before I move on, because I want you to honor the tradition of the church. Don't let the Roman Catholics take away the honor of the early church. As a matter of fact, when I speak with Roman Catholics and they talk about the early church, I always have to say, bad Roman Catholic. Polycarp doesn't belong to you. Ignatius doesn't belong to you. You let go of them and give them back. And we as the Pentecostals should grab back the church history. Go back into the history and find our brothers and sisters, people like us who loved and honored the word of God. Amen? So we're going to use the same device that they did. And I have a picture here to help you. So we're going to think of one. And then we're going to think of seven things, okay? And we're going to memorize this. There is one body. That is the church of Jesus Christ. There is one spirit, the Holy Spirit. There is one hope. The hope is that when we die, we're in the presence of the Lord, and we come back to rule and reign with him. As surely as he raised, we raise. There is one Lord that is our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Yahweh. When we confess him as Yahweh, we are saved. There is one faith Though there are many people that have beliefs in this world, there is only one faith that's saved. And it's by faith alone we are saved. So never think you saved yourself. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. There is one baptism, the initiation into this church. We baptize in water and submersion in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, you've heard about the Spirit, you've heard about the Son, and now there is one God and Father. We've talked about this, and we'll mention it again before, that God the Father does not mean that the Spirit is not also God, or that the Lord Jesus is not also God. It is just the way Jewish people refer to the Father as God the Father, and the Lord Jesus, and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is a divine title of divinity. Lord Jesus is a divine title of Jesus' divinity, and God the Father is a divine title of the Father's divinity. There are not three gods. There's not one God divided in three pieces. There's not one person of God who one day is the Father, next day is the Son. next day is the spirit. There are three separate persons sharing the divinity of Godhood, which we would say the uh, the attributes, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnibenevolent, all-present. Are you listening to me? Now we're going to commit them to memory. We're going to say it together, and then I'm going to ask you to start trying to memorize it. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Let's do it one more time. One hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. I want to see who today can do this. I'm going to pull out a $20 bill, and I'll give a $20 bill today to the first person that can raise their hand and get it without missing. Okay, Rachel, come on up and get you a 20 spot, girl. Let's give it up for Rachel as she comes. I want to bless people in this church who take the word of God serious. one body by, what do you Oh one body one faith one hope You're out of order though. We got to go in order. Okay. So one faith doesn't come after one body. Okay, one body, yeah. one spirit, yeah. one hope, yeah. one lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Woo! Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Now, you may say to yourself, Pastor, you just bribed somebody. Yes, I did, and I'll do it again. <laughs> if, if helping you memorize the Word of God has given you a 20 spot, that's $20 well spent every single time. But all kidding aside, do you see how someone just committed that to memory? Now, imagine that's between life and death right now, that this is what you will die for in a, in a gladiator arena in front of tens of thousands of your Roman citizens. How serious are you taking this now? How about when people start coming around to your family members saying that there's no uh, lordship of Jesus, that Jesus was just a prophet, and they start turning your home Bible study into what we would be considered like a Jehovah Witness Bible study, an Arius Bible study, a heresy starts to come in. In other words, how many know you're going to start to stand up for the truth? You can't get Paul on the phone and say, tell them, tell them, Paul, tell them. No, you have to know it yourself. You have to be able to search the New Testament Christians Bible. What was the New Testament Christians Bible? The Old Testament. See, Ephesians is being written in their midst. Philippians is being written in their midst. So what Bible are they using? They're using the Old Testament They had to know to go back to Isaiah chapter 9 and show the lordship of Jesus, Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 53. They had to know to go back to Genesis, God, the spirit, and the word to show the triune nature of our God. They had to be able to go back to the Psalms, even as David did. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. That was Jesus' defense of his divinity. Though there's not two lords, David is just acknowledging the Lord, he's always known as the Father, has a another Lord at his side that is also David's Lord. There's the Father and the Son. You see, these are the things that we must take serious as Christians because let me ask you something. Is the Christian worldview being attacked today? Yes, it is. Your creedal belief is being attacked. As we go back to this statement, one body, that means we believe in the church universal all over the world. People are now wanting to tell you the Mormon church is also a church. Is that true? No, they're wanting to tell you that other places like Unitarianism or where they ordain homosexuals, this is also the church. No, the church is where God's character is uplifted. The creed and the character of God go hand in hand. One spirit. Is there many spirits? Are we supposed to pray to our grandmother? Are we supposed to look at the horoscope? No. There is only one connection with the divine. That is through the Holy Spirit. We have one hope to die and be with Jesus and then to resurrect. We do not believe in reincarnation. We do not believe that, that you can do whatever you want on this earth and get another try like Oprah says. We don't believe in many lords. There's one Lord. Krishna and Buddha and Jesus are not the same. There is not a buffet of religion that you get to choose from. Jesus is Lord of all or Jesus is not Lord at all. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. And there is one faith. There's only one one thing that can save you, that's faith in Jesus Christ. Not the pillars of Islam, not praying towards Mecca, not the 613 laws of the Old Testament, not not going to the Pope and having a priest uh, pray for you and make intercession. There are many different roads that the Bible said lead to destruction, but the way that leads to life is narrow, and few there be that find it. there is one faith and one baptism. There is one baptism, the initiation into the church of Jesus Christ through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't baptize babies because babies can't understand these things. But we know that babies are saved by God's grace and God cares for them. He says, the children have the kingdom of God. So I believe that there's an age of accountability. Can I prove it in scripture? No, I can only reference it. But I believe that God does what is right through the children and those who die, okay? Before they can confess Christ. That's just my personal belief. God will sort it out in heaven. But I can say this to every one of you here. You're not a lost person in Africa who's never heard the gospel because that's people who always want to use that, right? Like people who go against the gospel. Well, what about the people in Africa? Well, number one, you're not them. You're hearing the gospel now. What about you, Bubba? You be baptized except Christ. Now, we're not saved by our baptism, but our baptism demonstrates our salvation. Coming in dry as a sinner, having the testimony of Christ saving us, being buried with him into the grave, into the water, and coming up soaking wet as a new creation to the birth canal of heaven. We come through uh, the baptism a new person. That's the representation of salvation. And then one God and Father. Our God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And though the Father has authority over the Son and the spirit they are of the same nature though i have authority over my wife and children we are still of the same human nature are you listening just because there's someone in charge on your job doesn't mean that they're they're your uh hercules or uh, what's the one that that's um oh that uh, superhero that that uh, says he's a god thor thank you i'll just, I'll just stick to the bible examples amen <laughs> But just because somebody's your boss on your job, does that mean they're your Thor? No, you guys are of the same nature. And in the Godhead, though the Father speaks to the Son, and the Son does the will of the Father, and the Father and the Son use the Holy Spirit to bring about their plan upon the earth, doesn't mean that the Son and the Spirit are less than God the Father. Can I hear an amen? Now look at your neighbor and say, that was the introduction. Now I have about 20 scriptures I want to go through in the next nine minutes. But we may not be able to go through them all. Let me just read them to you. The one body of the church is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ made up of many members from all times and all places with Jesus as the head. When we go to the, to the Bible where we're at right now in Ephesians, we can see that there we learn that Jesus is the head of the church. Everybody say the head of the church. When we think about the head of a body, we think about that which is in control, that which leads the body. When you do wrestling and so forth, if you can grab somebody by the neck, you have control of their entire body. And so what the Bible is teaching us is that Jesus is in control of his church. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding here when it comes to what's going wrong in the church, because even Jesus rebukes seven of the local churches in the book of Revelation and the book, uh, in the church of Ephesus even gets rebuked for losing their first love. We'll talk about that at a future time. But I want you to understand this. Just because the church gets corrected doesn't mean the church is still not precious to Jesus Christ. So you and I do not have a right to disrespect the church of Jesus Christ no more than it's right for you to disrespect someone's wife. The church is the bride of Christ. So those of us who are teachers or leaders or care for the church and bring correction should do so with grace and humility for the church's benefit. benefit never saying the church is full of hypocrites or the church is just a place where pastors take our money no that is blasphemy against the bride of christ the bride of christ is full of disciples like you and i who are not hypocrites full of elders and deacons and pastors and teachers who do not have a greed a heart for money a greedy heart are you listening so we do not let the church be blasphemed because it represents jesus upon the earth Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. How many love the church? From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its what? As each part does its work. What are you supposed to do in the church? Work. And God will give you the grace to do that. God loves you. He's brought you into the church. You're not saved by your works, but you're saved unto good works. How many like doing work in the church? Amen. How many love seeing the church grow? How many love seeing the church grow in your life as you grow, right? Because if I'm a part of the church, I should be growing. My knowledge should be growing. My patience should be growing. We learn about the one spirit. If you go to the book of John, you'll see how much Paul uses John as a reference through his letters. I don't have time to to, rep, uh, to explain every one of these references. But you could see Paul was very familiar with the Gospels, though oftentimes he doesn't quote it verbatim. Sometimes people say, why doesn't Paul quote the Gospels verbatim? Paul uses another way of, of acknowledging the Gospels. He does it by secondary reference. He does it by alluding to what Jesus had taught without the direct reference. And probably this is because these Gospels had not even yet been written. And all that he had learned was by word of mouth and through his time studying with the Lord in three years of prayer and fasting with God. And so we know these are the words of Jesus that John wrote down around 90 A.D. in the book of John. But Paul is writing his letters in the 50s and 60s, 30, 40 years prior. So we know they're there by reference because he's hearing from God, but it never contradicts. It only complements what is later written down by the eyewitnesses of Jesus. Isn't that special? Especially when you understand the timeline. Paul's letters predate the Gospels in other words. The Holy Spirit is the second person in the Trinity who dwells in the disciples' life. Look what Jesus said in John 14:15: If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he lives in you and will be with you, will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Can I hear an amen? What a beautiful analogy that he gives us. We will not be orphans. We will be like sons and daughters by the Spirit. And what does the Spirit cry out in our heart? Abba, Father. So there is one precious Spirit in our lives today. The one hope. That's the hope that when the disciple dies, they get to go to be with Jesus. We don't believe in soul sleep. We don't believe in reincarnation. Soul sleep is that you remain in the grave until the resurrection. That's what Seventh-day Adventists believe as well as Jehovah Witnesses. We believe that instantly you're in the presence of the Lord because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we believe in the great hope of being present with Jesus and then to rule and reign with him at the resurrection. We believe that there is a resurrection to come. How many believe that? Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians. Corinthians 5 we are confident I prefer I say and I would prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord so he understands that if he is away from the body where is he at home with the Lord if he's away from the body where is he at home with the Lord. And then First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 talks about what happens when Jesus comes back. Those of us who are alive will be transformed instantly into our resurrected body. And those who are in heaven will come back in the resurrected body. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. About those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. How many know we have a hope? Because we're not ignorant. We're not in the grave. That's why we don't have to go there to talk to Grandma. Amen? We don't need to talk to Grandma. We talk to Jesus, the God of Grandma, and God will do more for us than Grandma could ever do for us. Okay? So it's okay to miss Grandma, but you don't need to talk to her, and she certainly is not there. She's either in heaven or hell. So we have a hope of that. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. How many believe we're going to come back with Jesus? Amen. And those who are still alive, who are left unto his coming, will certainly not proceed. Those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, those who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds and meet him in the air. These are the promises of God. Now, our one lordship of Jesus is that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. If we're going to look just at the baptismal formula that Jesus gave us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's why we say first, second, third, not taking away any of their quality of divinity, but just having a logical order. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In this creed, he's working backwards from the Spirit to the Son to the Father. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, Paul, writing to his spiritual father, shows us who Jesus Christ is. He's not a mere man. While we wait for the blessed hope, notice the word hope there again. That's our hope, Jesus coming back. The blessed hope, the great appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Who? Who is our great God and Savior? Jesus Christ, amen. So he is equally God as the Father is God. One faith. Everybody say one faith. When you go to Jude, and all these notes are online, by the way, if you're new at our church, you can go to our website, metropraise.org. It's there if you ever forget it. And uh, you can see that all of our notes are here and also on our app. In Jude chapter 1, verse 8, it says, The very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly pollute their own bodies, reject, oh, excuse me, Um, it needs to be 1, 3, not 8, This is what uh, Jude said when he wasn't rebuking the people who had false dreams and visions. He said, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's who? God's holy people. And what is another word for holy people? Saints. That is the same word there, saints. hagios, since it's showing me the Greek there. Here, I'll show it to you right there. I don't know why it's only showing me. Oh, there we go. No, that's not it. Let me click on it right there. Everybody say saints. Saints. Are you a saint or an ain't? You're a saint. You see the word right there? Hagios, holy one. This is where we get the word saint from. This is the original Greek right there that the New Testament was written in. So Jude says, I am here delivering to you the once and for all faith. And guess what I have to do right now? I have to contend with it. I have to defend that faith. Why? Because people were messing with it. How many think people are messing with the faith right now? How many think you got to contend for it, too? But you don't do it loving argument. The Bible says there's a way an answer to answer the fool, and there's a way not to answer a fool. There's a time to give them the word, and there's a time to shake off the dust, okay? There's a time you throw out the pearls, and then there's times you don't give the pigs the, per- the pearls. The Bible literally says that. Don't throw your pearls to swine. So. You pray as you are preaching when to end a conversation and when it's become an unfruitful argument, but as long as they're asking fruitful questions, being willing to learn, you teach them the things of God, amen? And we love to do that here. One baptism, Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 and 19 reference this baptism. Now some may ask, what about the baptism into Christ or the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's three baptisms mentioned in the Bible. I personally believe that the other two are, the, the this baptism in water is the symbology of the reality of those other two, and I believe those other two are actually one. I believe a spirit baptism is our baptism into Christ. Uh, and that may cause a little bit of confusion for those of you who think you're not baptized. Uh, when you were saved, you were baptized into Christ, but I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit, since we're Pentecostal, is the baptism of Christ, but you are still saved without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the baptism into Christ is synonymous with the language of baptism of fire, baptism in the Spirit, okay? And so I don't want us to get confused in this, but the one baptism of the water is what represents what God does in the Spirit. So think of it like this. The water is the physical symbology, like communion, of what actually happens in the Spirit when you're baptized in the Spirit. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. I just don't have the time to get into that. But you can study with us through the book of Acts as I go chapter by chapter right now in SUM Chapel. And you'll see how I come to that conclusion. Looking specifically at verse 19, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? Amen. Baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey some of the things that i've taught you no everything i've commanded you isn't it important that we continue on in the church teaching the things that jesus has taught us and lastly one god and father who is over all through all and in all god is our creator he is the sustainer this comes from the jewish shema hero israel The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here, Shema in Hebrew, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Ahad there in Hebrew as well. If you notice what Paul did, Paul said that we have a Lord and we have a God. Why did he do that? See, in the Shema, the Jewish people would say, The Lord, Yahweh, our Elohim, the Yahweh is one. And now Paul is saying Yahweh is Jesus and God is the Father. Does that mean he wants to separate Yahweh from God as two different beings? No. That's what Mormons do. Mormons say Jesus is Jehovah, a separate God. The Father is Elohim, a separate God. That's not what we believe. The Holy Spirit is a separate God. No, no, no. What he is doing is taking these now as titles and applying them to the different persons of God. That's how he's doing theology and applying it to the Jewish people. That's called contextualization. He knows that they know their creed. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4 on the screen, is what they would say twice a day as Jews. And he's saying, you want to know who the Lord is? It's Jesus. You want to know who God is? That's your father. You want to know who the Spirit of God is? That's the Holy Spirit. Woo, isn't that awesome? Oh, how many wish I could just preach this a whole nother time? I mean, I mean, a whole just five sermons just on this right here. Let me say this in closing. This creed cost our fellow disciples their lives. Can I tell you the story of one, one of my favorites? His name was Polycarp, and he was the disciple of John. I want you to think of Polycarp like my son Lucas. Polycarp probably came to the Lord right around four or five. My son, right now at five years old, knows Jesus personally. He loves the Lord. And he was a disciple of those original disciples. Could you imagine what it would have been like to sit in a church where John is preaching, Paul is preaching? So here's young Polycarp. He's hearing the word of God being preached from the apostles themselves but what begins to happen is they begin to arrest his leaders they begin to kill them and as they begin to kill them he's getting older he becomes a leader probably like timothy he was a young leader in the church from a young age maybe in his late teens early 20s he starts leading the church and he starts growing and developing the churches but what's happening is the resistance is growing stronger At first, the Jewish people are killing the Christians over this creed because they only believe God is the Father. They don't believe Jesus is Yahweh. They don't believe the Holy Spirit is divine. They just think of it as a force, like the force from Star Wars. And their faith is the faith in the law of Moses, not the faith in the death, burial, and resurrection from some rogue prophet. So the Jews are killing them. But Polycarp begins to see the Romans start to kill them. Nero. Beheads Paul the Apostle. John is exiled and put onto an island to live his last days all by himself. But Polycarp just keeps preaching. He keeps loving Jesus. And so now he's probably around 90 years old. He's an old man. And they've put out the warning, the Roman Empire put out the warning and said, We're going after all of the heads of the churches now, all of the elders over the cities we're going after them we're going to target them just like they're doing now in china many of our pastors got put to jail just a few weeks ago they tore down a four million dollar building and arrested their pastors so we're going to go after them and no better place to start than with polycarp they go after polycarp to go arrest him and when they come the roman soldiers come you know what polycarp says before you arrest me can i pray He's a 90-year-old man, and the Roman guards allow him to pray. In an hour, uh, they allow him to pray. It turns into two hours. And then the Roman guards themselves don't even now want to arrest him because they see a 90-year-old man praying pretty much for them and for their nation. They then arrest him, and they bring him, just imagine this, to the gladiator arena, okay? This is like Soldier Stadium at Super Bowl weekend if the Bears were playing, right? The entire place is packed. The man in charge says to him, old man, please deny your Christ as the Lord of all, and we will spare you. See, the Romans had no problem with Jesus being a God. They were a polytheistic society. They had no problem with Jesus being a God. The problem that they had is that Jesus was the only God, the only Lord, one Lord, one master. And see, Caesar and the Romans, they didn't like that. And so literally, the one in charge is pleading with this man saying, we do not want to see you die as a 90-year-old man in front of everybody. We don't, we're do not we barbaric, but we're not that barbaric. In other words, please just renounce him as the Lord of all. Renounce your creed that you learned from when you were four years old. And listen to what Polycarp says back to them. He says, 86 years have I served him. So he's probably 90 years old, around four years old, he accepts Christ, a disciple of the disciples, specifically of John. He says, 86 years. Imagine Lucas, 86 years, uh, 90 years old, 86 years from now. He says, 86 years I have served him and he never did me any wrong. How then can I blaspheme my King and Savior, now. They said, we're now going to nail you to a stake and burn you alive. He said, you don't even need to nail me. This is my time. I go willingly. He stood on the pile of wood himself, not even being nailed. And they lit it on fire. And as they watched him burn, the witnesses said he had the face of an angel. And died with great joy for that creed for what it stood for those are our heroes I could keep you here all day I could tell you about the other 11 disciples and how they died Philip going to India being speared. Some of them Bartholomew being skinned alive. Peter being crucified upside down. I could tell you then about their disciples Ignatius. Ignatius being eaten by wild beasts and at his court hearing the accusers the Roman lawyers one of them converts and goes and dies with him because they are so blown away by the Christians courage. It was like yesterday when I was getting a new pair of jeans. They they said to me, well, we could give you a discount if you say you're in the military. You're in the military, right? And I said, no. And They said, you're in the military, right? No, I make our military men angry, and it should. And I said, no. I'm like, what don't you get? I won't lie for a 10% discount. And this was blowing the Roman's mind. Why don't you just lie? Then we'll let you go, old man. Just, just lie. Go hide somewhere. I can't. I've served him 86 years, and he's never done me wrong. He's always loved me. How many of you could say that? He's always been gracious with me. He's always been kind to me. He's been the friend that sticks closer than a a brother. He's walked through every valley with me. I can't deny my Jesus now. Whether by life or by death, my life belongs to him for his glory. How many want to live for Jesus? Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on, somebody say, I'll live for you, Lord. We want to give our life for you, oh God. It's not just a creed on paper. It's the cry of our heart. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. altar workers in band would you come please let us pray and let's make the creed personal today if you're not born again ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord today have the one faith of the church of Jesus Christ it's so simple to surrender and give it all up today just say I believe Jesus you died were buried and rose again for me you're my Savior my great God equal with the Father and the Son. You're my Yahweh. Hallelujah. And those of you who are saved today, put your trust in Jesus through whatever trust and test and trial you may be going through. Give it to God right now and say, Lord, I believe you're with me. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. Nothing can separate me from your love. I am more than a conqueror. I lack no good thing. My heavenly Father of lights gives me all that I need. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are in all and through all today. The body of Christ is here and alive and well keep praying just a few more moments and then we're going to ask god to bless our neighbors and our friends we're going to pray for all of our brothers and sisters to confess jesus as lord because one day every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is let's do it now let's do it now if you feel like interceding if you have a burden in your heart just start to pray for people you know that need to confess this creed in their life today they need to confess it as their world view this is how I see the world if God is for me who can stand against me no weapon formed against me shall prosper he shall be with me to the very end of the age and now I pray for my neighbors to come to know Jesus I pray for the nations to come to know Jesus name a nation name a person right now 30 more seconds we're praying we're praying for the body of Christ to grow and expand name the names name the nations Jesus said my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations save Afghanistan save the 1040 window all of it. Syria Uzbekistan Pakistan Lord China save, oh God, these nations that don't know you, Palestine, God save Europe oh Lord, revive them, oh God move in Russia today, God Southeast Asia move in Central and South America Lord, move in our nation in Canada, God move on the islands, oh Lord name nations and people, save my neighbor, Stephen Michelle, oh God save Ashton Vivek oh Lord Save Raina, God. Save them, Jesus. We pray the creed to be the worldview of the world today. In the name of Jesus, how many can say, "I believe"? Oh, I believe today. I believe today. I believe the kingdom of God is coming on earth as it is in heaven. I have a hope today that if they kill my body, they can't destroy my spirit. I have a hope today that though it's been 2,000 years since he ascended, he is just being patient and long-suffering because I have a hope he is coming back to rule and reign with his people. Lord, I pray you bless your people in this house today your saints, your chosen ones, who you predestined to be your workmanship to do the good works prepared in advance. May we all live worthy of our calling. As we move into another section next week, may we not forget this was a foundation of Paul's application of Christian living, believing our creed and walking worthy of our calling. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you praise the Lord one more time? Isn't he worthy? He's worthy of our best today. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, live by the creed. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you want prayer,